This episode is about Gilles. He dropped out of his PhD in biotech to become a safari wildlife guide in South Africa. And you will learn some new perspectives about how to lower the pressure on yourself. Instead of setting ridiculous timelines for your goals, he shows you what you are capable of when you only focus on enjoying the journey. Gilles, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Robin. I'm really excited to be in this podcast, honestly. Who are you and what's your passion? I have had a background in biochemistry. That's been my early lifehood passion, sciences. And throughout my studies and my work, I kind of learned that my passion changed, that my passion was more broad than originally I envisioned. And I learned a little bit later in life that the thing I want to do for myself is to be involved with people in nature. I would say that's the broadest way I can explain it. My passion is to make people thrive in nature, show them their skills and how easy it is to navigate and how you can find yourself if you have some very basic skill sets and tools to navigate that environment. And to really survive in nature. Because that's how our uh, mutual friend, Amelie, introduced me to you. She said, hey, Robin, you need to interview Gilles. Because in one sentence, he dropped out of his PhD Mm -hmm. to be a wilderness guide. And I was like, yeah, hooked. Because (laughs) I'm super super curious, like, okay... there's a moment in between. There, there definitely isn't a how moment. So mm-hmm. walk me through that moment in time, that, that thought process. Like when was the, the moment that you, you decided like, okay, I'm going to drop out my PhD and become a wilderness yeah. guide. Yes. What's the aha moment? The aha moment for me was very specific. So basically as a, as a kid, and I got the opportunity to explore a lot of things in nature to travel, basically through my parents. And that already brought up that wildlife is something that I, it's an environment where I really thrive. I love to be around animals, to be exploring what's happening in the natural environment. Basically look into the home of where animals thrive and how they navigate that space. The aha moment for me came actually during my PhD. So with having some exposure to that true life, it never really felt like ah, yes, this is something I have to do, or this is something that I want to create for myself. This is my biggest passion. But when that actually happened was during a trip to South Africa. It's a continent, and and specifically this country, and I have explored quite a bit, solo travel, travel with parents when I was younger. But during my PhD, I realized I feel very isolated here. I am not working in an environment with people. I am not bringing myself into an environment where I thrive the most and where I enjoy the most. And basically what I did is in the last year of my PhD, I asked very honestly and kind of brutally. So what I did is I asked my boss, I, I feel like I need some time for me to, to explore this potential opportunity of my passion. They react. Actually very open-minded. I mean, I have to say I was in the finishing year, so I had to just write my thesis, finish some final experiments, and I asked for unpaid leave. And that was 
after a very normal 30-minute talk kind of agreed upon, I could do that. So I felt very much given the opportunity to explore what I needed. So they supported you? Definitely, definitely. Nice. And although they didn't really know what I was exactly going to do, and I was still myself exploring what I'm going to do there, will that be something for me? I left for South Africa. That was actually in COVID year. I was on the most empty plane you can ever imagine. Literally, there was basically three people in the whole back section of the plane. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. all advice from the government. Exactly. And at okay. the time, this was also like with like the South African strain. There was some specific issues. So it was like a no-go zone. So it was a big adventure for me to get on that plane, get there because of study reasons. I was allowed. So this was still all legal. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I had to, had to say that. Okay. <laughs> and then... I arrived there and this was basically a training. So I did a training in Kruger Park, which is one of the biggest national parks in South Africa, basically to become a safari guide. So that has basically, it's a, a two month, I would say, more or less, about nine weeks program where they teach you all the practical parts, what it means to be a guide in that environment. So it's revolves around animal behavior, learning about the animals, driving people around. How do you communicate to people? How do you set up camp? Really practical, of course. Very much, yeah. okay. very much. And so you can do this as a study as well in, in South Africa, a longer study. But this is basically only the practical experience, right? All the theory you do on the side before, during and after, but that's kind of on your own. And the whole idea is to teach you all these small little skills to help you navigate people in that environment. But doing that, I actually learned that this is exactly what I've been missing. This was my aha moment. This was about halfway through the course. I realized I thrive here. I can speak to people, educate them to some extent. We can create an environment together. We can create a momentum. And I could see especially the impact from doing that. Okay. And What's the impact? So it depends a little. It's also about how open-minded people come into this environment and maybe what kind of goals or expectations they have. But I would say in general, the beauty of being in such an environment uh, with people is that you can, first off, draw them completely away from their home situation, whether that is a, let's say, home and work situation, whether that is a very active and busy environment, it's in somewhat way basically travel right so and do you see people behaving differently because they're out of their home situation out of their comfort zone 100 percent, 100 and that word you said there is actually spot on the key essence of what's happening it's about re making people realize that even stepping out of their comfort zone they can actually learn way more And that is what I love to, to see happen, actually, with people. It's once you get to that space where you give them some basic tools and teach them a few basic things, all of a sudden they realize that they've had this environment also at home, around them, smaller or different or differently organized, you know, maybe not as potent in, in wildlife. But they kind of realize, I can set up a tarp here and do this and that and that and make some small bushcraft items to survive you know and it's not that hard i can by learning what specific animals do how they for example love to be around water this tells me something about how close water is around me by seeing the environment and seeing some animals you can realize 
where it might be the safest spot to stay, how you should navigate to a specific terrain. Um, then they probably realize they take a lot of things for granted. 100%. In their home environment. 100%. So one of my most beautiful realizations with somebody on the course was we had this massive bird training aspect of the training. So you had to learn to understand something about 70 to 100 bird calls, but also you have to visually identify them, right? So when you're driving tourists and they're really interested in birds, you can kind of tell them, look, this is that, this bird drives in this environment, it breathes like this. It's very interesting in this environment for this and this and this reason. This is what preys on it. So there's a lot of information you can share. But the most beautiful thing that I realized in one of these moments in the training is that while on like a bird expedition trying to learn all these calls, which was super complex in you the start. So wait, wait pause. pause okay, 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 I'm going this quick. Is, this is really interesting. You had to learn to become a safari guide to, mm -hmm. to I don't know, to, to, to whistle like 70 kind of birds or, or, or sing like 70 kind of birds? So, well, yeah. So that is kind of how most people see it. Yeah. The reality of it, it's more, we hear them sing, whistle, uh, make their calls, sometimes very specific calls, and they can be different for one bird, you know. But you identify them, and so you know this bird is in the environment. Even though I cannot see it, I know it's here, right? Okay. If you can do that for the most common ones, you can learn a lot from this. You can learn whether water is close. This bird is here, so maybe there's something hunting on it. This bird is here, it has a relationship with another animal, and they co-evolved, they thrive together, and I actually want to see this other animal, but because this bird is here, I can now see this animal. So basically, you learn this, these bird calls and identification to help you understand what else is there. And it's basically teaching yourself how to navigate, navigate yeah. and to build the story. So if I understand it correctly, like the, the way or the, the type of birds that you hear singing mm -hmm. provides you with more information of your environment and like maybe revealing new parts or new animals that you otherwise wouldn't have noticed or wouldn't have known that they're there exactly interesting exactly okay. and yeah. a very basic example of that is for example you could see some birds that you know are usually going to take ticks of animals so ticks that get in places that animals can brush it off with the trees Some birds feed on them, right? So you could, for example, see some of those birds flying around and realize they might be looking for food today, which means maybe there is some other animals around that they can feed on, but you want to find these animals. And birds are kind of everywhere because there's so much around, especially in that environment, so diverse, and they have these very specific traits. There's a lot of information available by just looking at the trees and in the sky which is sometimes easier than continuously trying to look for where is this lion? You yeah. Know? And already w within a few minutes, I'm already learning a lot more about awareness, being more aware, looking at your environment, yeah. because there are things happening that you're not seeing at first sight. And I'm also interested in like the, the people that you provided a tour or, or a safari guide for, didn't you like almost open up their eyes and, and not specifically for like geographical locations, but like more in terms of like life even like, did, didn't you give a few people or some people like some really aha, like almost life-changing moments? Yeah, that's definitely the case. So 
my personal experience running these stores has been fairly limited just to put that out there but throughout the trainings and some work after what i've i would say something i've seen continuously and this is going back to my passion as well is once you get people invested in it and they can see the beauty in that environment which is naturally very accessible and has a lot of potency in it right once you get that they come home changed so you tell them well this or that animal is in your environment as well or have you actually recently been out in the forests in the garden and what what changes when they arrive back home from the safari in their home country what changes what's the impact so the impact is that a lot of people have grown they've kind of naturally dissociated from this environment right because of the busyness of life the hecticness all the information coming towards us because of work maybe family stress limited time is often mentioned as well but by showing them this they come home and they often create that space more naturally for themselves so you would get a message from somebody oh by the way i saw this beautiful bird out in my garden today or i was just picking this flower i was looking i realized that this is growing next to that and you taught me that has something to do with the soil i never understood the, how important this was and now kind of understand way better what is going on around me and i feel kind of more at home yeah i feel maybe even a little bit more aware like you said before of my surroundings and one of the most impactful factors is that once you get there people get also very comfortable so they find usually more comfort in their own environment at home they get more relaxed maybe even understanding what is around you being aware of what's around you makes it yours that actually is what makes it your home you know if it's just there and you never look at it yeah well then it's just there it's for you to interact with it and to really understand it and that's how you create i would say home maybe even yeah. cool okay and what would you say to uh, the people that are listening and well what, like let's skip the, mm -hmm. the safari tour for them but what are like the same or similar lessons that you would want to share or even advise them like what is it that they could learn from from well from having a safari tour with you like what, what are the lessons learned that they can get from it yeah that's a very good question i think one of the key things you can learn more broadly that a lot of people learn i would say on, on tours like that is we need to protect this it's another side reason why i'm really passionate about this but with how our world is evolving with the impact of humans everywhere this has been definitely a topic on the rise and individual small moments like this can actually have a major impact it's like i can compare it to like sorting the trash the individual impact is minimal but if you, nobody does it then it all goes very, very bad very rapidly right so what people can sometimes learn from this or see in this is that they have something around them that's worth protecting that they've had it forever and that Could only now an example of something sure like an example could be having a beautiful tree in your garden like we have this mulberry tree out here in the garden and it hasn't had basically as much fruit as since this year and it's i mean you don't necessarily need to be a tree hugger to have a moment be outside sit by that tree and realize that this thing is thriving right next to you this is alive it's doing very well it has his own its own root it's 
had to endure certain moments throughout its life and it's thriving right now and you can actually co-create that environment with that species you can actually help that tree maybe create some more space for it maybe do some small trimming maybe help it like thrive even more you can also leave it completely isolated and respect that it should be its own thing and don't be involved as well but the moment you're in that space you are already co-creating something with another living thing and what uh, happens when you start focusing on the small things around you like that mulberry tree for example what happens then you step out of your brain i think you you take a moment to not feel self-centered you don't feel focused on yourself anymore you're realizing that there's other things around you that even though small or even though the fact that they're everywhere, right? That it's worth in, in investing in, that it's worth protecting or just worth being around, you know, worth having some realization that if this thing is thriving here and other things are thriving around me, then I can be helping those things, right? It helps people maybe feel like more present. Right? When you're focusing on the tree that is like always been in your garden yeah. and now you just look at it and you appreciate it and you're, the result is probably that you're more present. A hundred percent. I would say it's not only present. It's, it's a way of, like I said before, stepping out of your own brain and seeing value in other things. Seeing in value in things that you've maybe were taught as a kid or you've always known or never. But all of a sudden you realize there is so much things of natural value around me. And I, yeah, you, you kind of in that moment, I think, realize that natural value is also something we try to find in ourselves, right? So when people move through that and have a moment like that, even something small with like a beetle in the garden or some ants or a spider making a web, the question is, how much do you want to be involved? Right? How much can you create time for yourself to be involved around those things? But what do you get from it? Right? I saw my mom once sit down for an hour by a spider who was just starting a spider web. Right? To this day, awesome. yeah. she tells me this has been an impactful <laughs> okay. moment in her life. You know, she How told is me that? What, what, what's the impact for her? realizing that it takes a spider an hour to build a web yeah. you could actually say okay so it takes time to build mm -hmm. great things <laughs> and then maybe the yeah. web fails okay. in a second maybe somebody runs through it or even me as a kid playing in a garden could have probably shot a football straight through that net and then then the spider web has to completely be rebuilt right but that doesn't let the spider stop building the web no Wow, you, you can get so much life lessons out of this. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And that okay. everything is, it, it also teaches you something in the sense of like, um, everything's done with a certain intentionality. Yeah. Um, the spider needs it, but at the same time, um, some of those spiders make the most intrigue designs. This is a big question. Is this just functional? Is there a level of artistry involved? Is there a, maybe a sense of, I'm going to build it a little bit more tight this time because I know this has worked for me very well. It is getting into that, that headspace, getting into sitting there, looking at something, realizing what it's doing and appreciating it, trying to maybe understand it, even though we can't understand all of it. Maybe yeah. you can get into the headspace of that animal 
or that flower, that plant. And once you do that, the appreciation grows. Factor 10, 20. It, it grows very quickly. I think a lot of people, including myself, should take more time to just sit outside or inside or wh wherever, but just like sit somewhere and be there and focus on what's happening around you. So mm -hmm. this is already valuable to me. Mm -hmm. But I'm also interested, like back to your passion, of course, your aha moment halfway through the course of the safari guide. You had your aha moment, but walk me through again, like the feelings and the thought process. Like, did you have any insecurities or maybe some doubts while... Oh, 100%. How, how did that look like and how did you deal with it? So I, I think for me, this is very specific, I guess, but the insecurities were mainly revolved around, oh, I like this so much. I want to do something with this professionally. And when, once I realized that, I saw all the hurdles in front of me. What did I, you see? I still need to finish my PhD and I want to finish my PhD. I have plans to go travel after I've lined it up for myself. But then I have to completely switch sector. I know no one in the sector. Where will I find support? Is this financially viable at all? Maybe not. Um, how would I do it then? Will I set it up more part-time? It's so a storm of questions. A lot of questions. Exactly. And, and you try to find some information for yourself. But I would say the first thing is a big storm. And the insecurities for me were right there where it's like, yeah, this is a big risk, you know, because to some extent you do still need to pay your bills and you're going to move away from something that until then I've had some exposure to, but basically have no experience. And it feels very overwhelming at the start. But and when the passion is that big, it doesn't stop you from chasing it. And what was your risk back then? What um, was the risk in your case? I think the risk back then and still till now to some extent is... Probably in this society, making enough money to support the things that I want to do in life. And I think for being a, a tour guide or a wilderness guide or a safari guide, having a full schedule is one thing. I'm currently in the planning of creating that for myself. Nice. Right. And so when you don't see, if I look at the next two years, for example, and I see a few opportunities, that is, they can feel very threatening. Like, oh, I've made this big choice, but in the next two years, I only have this part of work and that part of work, and I need to add other things to it, and I make that into a full schedule. Maybe find some more lucrative options to supplement the things I really want to do that make me less money, right? And yet, all those things remind me of the spider building the web. It doesn't stop you to not go after it or mm -hmm. not follow your passion yeah. and i'm interested in that part so yeah you had your aha moment then you had your, like your insecurities your list of questions and maybe doubts yeah but still you proceeded how is it like some self-talk or like oh how? very much how? yeah very for how, me how does that much. work how, how does that look like so I think a lot of people move or move differently through when this happens. In my personal case, I self-reflect a lot. So when I've had an aha moment, and I would say this is my most recent and biggest aha moment I've ever had, but there's definitely been aha moments before that. And the first thing is you kind of want to ensure yourself how big is this aha moment? Is this really worth pursuing? Is yeah. this worth risking 
all of it? Should I invest time little bit by little bit and then see where it goes? Do I go full send and move to Africa? You and know? How, how do you know? By trying. I find that this is an underappreciated state of mind. The people always say, yeah, you know, just go for it, just try it. And then people always go like, yeah, that's easy, you know. But in the end, it's actually not that easy. You have to really push yourself to go pursue maybe even the smallest thing in that aha moment for you to realize this was really something for me and I still attach to this and this feeling stays there. I have this now for several moments or it's coming back. Maybe in that aha moment, you explore it deeper and you find other stuff. You find maybe a specific passion in the broader niche that you were looking at. For example, you could go in safari guiding and be like, I want to be a guide and bring people into nature, which I said was my passion. But it could also be like very specifically for me, I want to study animal behavior. Maybe I should involve myself with some institutions that do that. Or I love this environment, but for me, it's not necessarily bringing people into it. I want to reestablish it. I'm going to come in from the ecological side or the rewilding side, bring more animals in it. And, and so the, okay, by yeah. exploring it, you kind of open a whole new spectrum again. And then by doing it, you kind of see this is what I like, this is what I don't like. But the first step, I would say, is you have to get yourself up mm -hmm. and go find it, go search for it. And you mentioned the exploring part. Um, the interesting thing here is that it's not black and white, mm -hmm. like you said. It's not like, I think this is my passion. Shall I pursue it or not? No, it's not that black and white. It's not that easy. It's something like an aha moment, a feeling, a gut feeling, a thought. And then mm -hmm. like you start to experiment more with it. Mm -hmm. But the interesting part is not that it's like, okay, now I'm following my passion. No, it's only a start, like you said. Maybe your passion is not being a safari guide, mm -hmm. but at least it gave you a sense of a good gut feeling of sense of direction. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this direction is, this feels good. Let me exactly. walk this direction. And when you're walking that direction, you're open to finding maybe more specific passions than you initially thought that your passion was. That is right? so true. Yeah. And I think something that just came to mind, a big thing is also to the biggest insecurity, as we talked about before, is like you have all this pressure coming onto you. You have to organize things in your life. You want to be financially secure enough. You need to find a time, maybe partner, maybe kids at home. There's a lot of factors straight up telling you no. I, you shouldn't do this. This is a big risk. This is a big danger, right? And I think the one thing you should do for yourself in that moment is take a step back and ask yourself, what is the real pressure? Like, is this pressure from the outside world? Is this opinions of people? Is this maybe something specifically that I doubt in myself? And once you go explore that, so really go into your own brain and see why am I passionate about this, then you kind of in some moments might realize there is actually not that much pressure on me to do this. And that can help you take a, a deeper step in that environment, can take you a deeper step into that passion and explore it for real. Because the pressure was only existing inside your head. 100%, yeah. Interesting. Mm. I once had a really great mentor and like he was coaching me, helping me. And 
I said something like like a limiting belief, like, oh, but yeah, this won't work because this of that. Mm-hmm. And he answered, whose voice is this? Mm-hmm. Is this your voice mm-hmm. or someone else's voice? And I was like, Oof. oh, my God, indeed. I'm thinking like how someone gave me feedback or criticized what what i was thinking mm-hmm. oh my god i'm thinking like how the other people are are, are putting the pressure on me yeah. oh so oh this is actually great because i'm this is not my voice this is someone else's voice inside my head mm-hmm. and this this reminded me of the, the pressure that, that you you mentioned yeah yeah, yeah. definitely yeah yeah Sounds sounds like an interesting moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm also interested. And you mentioned like self talk, self reflection. Again, how does that work? You 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 grab a notebook, you start writing, or is it all inside your head, just thinking by yourself? Or yeah. so I am literally somebody who talks to himself. That might scare some people off on the Out street. Out loud? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes okay, just in in my brain. Also um, in, in the street, because you said... Yeah, and that's what I meant with, like, that has definitely scared some people off. Could you give an example? Because yeah. I see you're smiling. I remember I was okay. driving to my lab in, in Leuven where I was doing my PhD, and I was talking, reasoning to myself, like, ah, I need to do this, and I should actually do try this approach within the research, and trying to make sense of a few strategies for myself, right? And I was on the bike all by myself, driving up the hill to Hostesberg, a terrible hill, by the way. And I'm talking out loud to myself. And so I arrive in the lab and some people go, who are you on the phone? Like, wait, like, what were, what was happening? Like, you were like loud and like expressing. I apparently was driving without my hands and using my hands also talking to myself. While riding the bike. Very interesting. Okay. I didn't even okay. know I could do that until they told me. Whoa. But it's very, it's very funny how they saw that and I told them, oh no, I was actually just like talking to myself. I got some weird looks in the lab that day of people going like, wow, that was very expressive. That is something that has always kind of worked for me. But that's mm. interesting. You also said like, I didn't even know I could ride a bike without my hands. But I mean, I could know yeah. I, I, I could drive a bike without hands. But yeah, yeah. More accurate would be like, I didn't know I did that in that moment. Yeah. I thought I was just speaking calmly to myself. I sometimes didn't even realize that I was speaking out loud, you know, like the moment just happened. I was self-reflecting, got like stuck up on the moment. And when I arrived, people showed me that they've experienced this wildly different. They saw actually me being really expressive and like, I was like, oh, interesting. Didn't even notice that. Some kind of like trance or flow state or whatever you call it. uh... Maybe, maybe. I mean, I've never really given it that much thought it's something that for me just comes very naturally but maybe yeah maybe it's some state of like really getting into your own brain and organizing stuff for yourself so they make more sense and that can be very interesting going into something you want to realize for yourself or you want to do good that day or you know into an opportunity so Mm -hmm. yeah i was spontaneously thinking about okay but how do you do that but i think the answer is it happens to you when when I don't know when it feels right or something like that. Like, how do you get into the, this flow state of mind of like, okay, mm-hmm. now I have some time with myself, self-reflect, yeah. go forward inside my head. So I find this particularly interesting because I think it's so specific to people. And it's I think people... For everyone different. 100%. Really, yeah. And uh, the strengths of how people do this can be wildly different. For example, um, I know of people who would find that in writing, right? I know of people who would find that in just drop that silence. 
trying to not think to make sense of things you know like it can be very specific but it's so interesting because we talked about this a lot my partner and and me talked about this a lot like the way of introspection it's something that we are not really taught right people like like i just described kind of do it naturally this is what works for me this is how i try and make sense of things for myself or when there's a lot of things going on this is how i categorize them but i've actually seen people on trails on moments in nature trying for example a moment of meditation that we've supplied to them or a moment of physical activity or speaking out loud speaking out your biggest worry talking in one word the thing you want for yourself in the next year these are like small ways how you can actually show people maybe this is a way that like introspection works for you like you have never really done it by speaking out loud or you've never really done it by writing down you've never really done it by meditation in a natural environment where you use your senses around all the natural elements um and that can be wildly interesting because i would say that maybe to some extent um people really once they get into that that might be the biggest eye opener even and it might not have anything to do with being on a mountain trekking and then coming back home and saying wow the mountains or wow this nature it might be i learned to make more sense of things for myself i learned that sitting still or doing it like this or moving like that or physical activity is a way that i can make sense of things but we are never taught this in school not with that mindset of like what works for you right and i think that's wildly interesting i think you nailed it because indeed introspecting is not being taught and by the way the, the background sound is an ice cream car yeah <laughs> passing by, by here yeah. every day but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny okay no but indeed introspection is not being taught at school or at home uh, i think even the opposite it's being viewed as almost weird mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. oh my god what are you doing mm-hmm. Are you writing stuff down on a daily basis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, or are you meditating in silence what are mm. you doing because it's not it's not that known for everyone exactly it's not it's not a a, a, a list of tools is not being given of like hey for you you could you could try this you could try this so i really like the examples that you gave like you could meditate in silence mm-hmm. you could write things down mm-hmm. you you could speak out loud uh, are there any other i mean other forms of expressing maybe drawing forms of art maybe drawing. music you know i mean i think there's quite a few few ways i think for some people being using their hands can also be something you know like building a bike or restoring a car into its original state or out in the garden replanting stuff there's a lot of ways that you can do something passively to get into that state i would say yeah. and th- that is actually one of the main reasons why i started this this podcast and okay, the podcast is is called mavericks and a maverick to me is like you're a maverick obviously because when everyone else goes left like you go right you're a maverick uh, you follow your gut feeling you're a maverick mavericks are people that are not afraid to try and experiment with those introspective things, I think. Mm -hmm. And 
other people would maybe think, oh yeah, they, they would do things or a job or be in a situation for too long and just accept it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But maybe after a few months or even after tens of years, you notice like oh, something is not feeling right. Yeah. And that's because I believe there's something like hidden that they, they didn't dare to accept. They didn't dare to accept maybe like like your call or to nature, to, to mm-hmm. being a nature guide and think, oh, that's not how, how I was raised or that's not what I see in my environment. Let's not accept this call. But I think a lot of people are not accepting what their true passion really is. Mm-hmm. But now I, I think it's getting better and better. And that's why I started this podcast for those group of people that have this feeling of there's something not feeling right. Like mm-hmm. like you maybe at, at the end of like your biotech career was like, this is not, this is not it. Mm-hmm. Th- th- there's something else for me out exactly. here. What would you say to those kind of people who have this feeling of, oh, I want to follow my passion, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So people who are trying to find their passion, who are on the lookout, I would say maybe two things. The first thing I would say is like, dare to fail. Like, is it really gonna matter if you, for the next month uh, or day or year, is it really gonna matter for you if you try this and you have to come back to to base level where you left from? This is not your passion or you know, maybe it is, but you cannot implement it in your life for other reasons, you know? Is that really failure? Right, I don't see it like that. I think in those moments, you've probably gone through a whole process and you come back anyhow richer. Even you come back with a refound love for something else that you've done before, but maybe at the time didn't see true passion in it. So passion is not necessarily for me stepping away from something to do something completely different. It's about daring to fail, try enough things and pursue those things if you feel there is something there. And what's failing to you? What is failing? That's a good one. I think that's probably the thing that's changed the most for me over the last few years. So failing originally was oriented at, I hope my friends and family think I'm doing well, right? I hope I make a valid contribution to the workforce or to the job I'm doing. I hope I'm a decent human. I'm trying to navigate my life as good as I can, right? I think the moment you step away from some factor of stability, failing to me was probably, what if I don't make it? What if I try all this? And it's still very much a reality. What don't make what? Don't make it into this thing I've created for myself. So for example, my end goal is to be a full-time nature guide, right? Super clear. Yeah. yeah. And there are specific things that I'm currently learning. I would love to do this more, maybe focus on that more. And there's a general sense of what I really need in there, right? But that's, I would say, the main goal. The question is, like, would that be failure if in two years' time I realize physically and mentally this is so much tougher on me to do this full-time? What if I do this part-time? What if I do this a few times a year but focus really on those true passionate moments in there, the things that I've loved doing the most in nature with specific people or specific tours, right? Um, is that failure? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so in that moment, right? And so that's changed for me. Is that before I would look at it like, 
well, I've told people I'm going to become a nature guide. If I'm not there in this amount of time, they will probably all look at me and think, failed, you know, like didn't make it or big dreamer who didn't, who didn't realize the truth that this is not manageable or too far away from your bed or, you know. And I think that's what's changed for me is learning that it's not about them. It's about me. Like failing should not be, I should not be worried the entire time about how they perceive I'm failing or not. What do I consider failing? And a recent realization was like, if this becomes a temporarily thing or this becomes a part of my life and I enjoy it a lot, I will consider that great success, like awesome success. That doesn't mean I will stop once we get there. The end goal is still to be a full-time nature guide, right? But if there are struggles down the way, I'm worried less about them now because I've realized that before my failure was oriented about the outside society looking at me, not me looking at outside society. So what changed to you, like what changed for you was how you looked at failure, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You could look at failure of like a huge huge like obstacle of like oh my god if i fail this people will think this of me or, or mm -hmm. negative thoughts or whatever mm -hmm. but you lowered this obstacle you made it so almost tiny mm -hmm. and you said well my definition of failure is, is much smaller it's just now like an experiment now failure is like well there almost is no failure because i i'm just running an experiment and i'm just going to find out if a full-time nature guide or wilderness guide is something for me mm -hmm. and the answer is oh yes it's something for me or no it's not something for me but how can you fail then if it's well, an experiment right of course and i think that's a, a very good natural state to to move from is what you just said like not n not negate the minimal thing you want to achieve. You know, you can still be strict on yourself and I want to be there by that time and if I don't make it, this is my backup plan. Uh, I wouldn't say completely lower the expectation, but I would say why put the pressure on yourself that only the end goal, the 100% form of what you've told people is accepted? Why is that your reality? Why can you not be... You know, in this state of I'm learning, I don't know all the answers. I don't know if this will still be my truth tomorrow. But what I'm doing for myself right now makes sense to me. And in somewhat way, you can take those things even day by day, right? That can be a day where you step outside and go, wow, I don't really feel it at all. Like the all the worries come up. Maybe I might not get there. This has this thing that I tried didn't work out, I have to reapply there, my tours are not getting fully booked. I think once you step outside for yourself and take a moment to understand like, is this really currently gonna matter that much? Like, is this that dangerous to, to what I'm doing or what I'm trying to do? Then you make it a big pile of smaller problems. And that is way more manageable than what you've been doing before. See all the small problems being one tight block and you cannot climb it. It's impossible. You cannot get over it. And it becomes this impossible thing, right? And it's the same with people looking for their passion. They only see in order to have my, for example, my passion once they know, right? Once they find something they align with, 
they usually i think people see this insurmountable mountain right like how can i climb that it takes me five years and it takes me but that's such a strange way of looking at your goals anything's built through incremental improvements right and so if you take it back to what is the first thing i can do right now to solve this thing or to get closer to that end goal then maybe after two or three days you realize you've made a major hurdle or a big step or all, all of a sudden you're super close to your goal already but three days before you made it impossible in five years to happen right and so i think that's wildly interesting i think that's some other maybe advice and something i've learned for myself and advice i would give to people in general when they're chasing their dreams and passion um or trying to find that break your goal or your passion up into smaller chunks yes more achievable chunks because there's many benefits to it you get like uh, more adrenaline you, you get like a good feeling like oh i i, I achieved this and i'm curious like once you uh, accept that once you're you're almost in control because you know what is failure to you mm -hmm. but then i'm curious how do you communicate that to the people around you even if it doesn't matter what they think of you but how do mm -hmm. how what changes in your communication from hey everyone i'm going to become a full-time nature guide so mm -hmm. so then for them you already plant the seed in their minds it's mm -hmm. going to be yes a success no mm -hmm. a failure exactly so what changes how what is a better way of communicating that to the outside world mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's that's an interesting one I, i think do you communicate it to to like your family and friends what you're yeah. doing right now i think for me that has been something difficult you know like what is the correct way to tell people this is what i'm trying to do without installing maybe a bigger idea than necessary or coming across overconfident like it's already made that's that's a that's a difficult one uh, i would say it's still still to this day like i think it's a lot about finding finding the expectation for yourself so put yourself in the place of this close friend you have who is supportive of your passion or wants to know like how you're going to do this and then when you start talking to them what is the real message you want to install to them if the message is 90% of what I'm telling you right now, I'm not sure of, then I think to some extent you can be honest about that. That is showing up vulnerable and it's one of the key things to do when on the lookout for your passion, I would say, but let's not get sidetracked. To it's show that, you, that you're vulnerable about your goal, about yeah, your passion. And that okay. you don't have all the answers and so you're still navigating that yourself. Then you know? it lowers the pressure, right? 100%, yeah. So the moment that you know what your passion could be or, or the, the direction that you're going to um, follow, the a better way of communicating to the outside world, your partner, your family, your friends, is not like, I'm going to become this. Mm -hmm. so, so they could <laughs> say like, have you achieved it or no, not? Yeah, exactly. If, no, a better way, well, what I hear from you is like, hey, I'm going to be honest here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be vulnerable here this is what my this is what interests me mm -hmm. this is my passion mm -hmm. and i'm going to see if there's something to me but my dream would be this and i'm going to see i'm going to find out yeah and then you almost get like you win people behind you mm -hmm. 
well, hopefully, yeah. and they say like, oh, I, I really hope you find it. Exactly. You don't make it so measurable for them. Mm-hmm. It's not a yes or a no anymore. It's just like, hey, I'm on this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And exactly. I don't know, there's no start, there's no end. Well, there's a start, but there's no end. There's no three months or 12 months. And then like, it, it maybe can help to lower the pressure, right? Uh, I, yeah. I agree. I think you, you explained that very well. I think you rephrase what i was trying to say well, really well yeah. actually but it's it's thanks to you <laughs> i agree okay. i yeah. i agree 100 percent with what you just said and and on the context of the vulnerability this is something that i actually learned through my partner is like accepting your own vulnerability is the first step to sharing your end goal how can you do that how so, can you be honest with yourself um yeah. Good question. I would say like for, for, for me, one way is when I feel like, oh, damn, I, I don't really know if this is going to work out or if this better gets lined up soon because um, you have some worries or some stress about the things you're trying to do. Vulnerability is, I think, showcasing that sometimes to someone else. And that could be in somewhat way talking to that yourself. But I would also say like specifically being vulnerable Try and find somebody who's like, hey, like, let's explore this, you know, let's go talk through this. Let's go into this together. You know, if you have a friend who's trying to build a new business and they're on this struggle, why are we always sometimes always is a is a overstatement, yeah, yeah, yeah. but why are we often standing around people and going like, ah, you know, it'll get better and giving passive support? Why don't we more often, if this is like a true friend, go like, hey, like, I know nothing about your sector. But how can I help? How can I help you? And one interesting way I've seen that is a friend showing up vulnerable around some struggles with a business. This is why the example came to mind. And straight up, I was like, instead of doing always what I do is going like, yeah, you know, maybe this or that or give some immediate solution. So why don't we deep dive in this? So we had a sit down together. We made some food together. And for three hours, I tried to come up with any absurd idea that could help him. Any possible solution, maybe look at from a different angle. And so we went in that deep. And when I left, the only thing I heard from him is like, I don't know if any of this was useful, maybe quite the opposite. But I've realized I can share this. I've realized now that the moment I show up vulnerable to you, and you provide me with some help and we go into that together, it makes more sense to me now. It makes more, it's more clear, you know? And then maybe a week later, they come up with something. Is that you, your help? Is that their vulnerability? I don't know. But it can't hurt to show that you are not sure about these things. And that is a true honesty to yourself. Finding somebody to share that with, or a lot of people to share that with, I think that's key. So the lesson here is when you show to people that you're vulnerable about something or not sure about something, in return, in your example, you receive help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think in the, in the, in the minds or, or of most people, oh, if, if I'm being honest with, with everyone around me, I, I, I will get criticized or I, I, yeah. they, they will not support me, they will laugh at me. So I, I can't be vulnerable. I must let them think that I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is going on in 99% of people's heads. Mm-hmm. But the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. The opposite is like you just explained. The moment that you 
showing that you're asking for help, you get help. Mm -hmm. But we don't have always the guts to do that. Or we feel, we already accept that the other side's going to mock us or not going to really help us or is not interested in doing that. If that is the case, you could wonder, are those the right people to surround myself with? Exactly. And don't go by a case of one. Try some people out. You know, like, why would you accept that one person? Maybe they just don't have the time for it. Maybe they have their own struggles that are big enough right right in that moment. Like, talk, you know, like, open up and go like, hey, this kind of helped me out. Do it again with someone else. I've done this numerous times while I was exploring the idea of I want to be a nature guide. What do I need to do for this on my travels? Yeah. And that made the, yeah, that made the, the hurdle, the hurdle to get over to, speak up about this is what I want to do. How do you feel about that? How would you do that? Do you think I make mistakes here? What do I not see right now? So actually, you just not even ask help. You just ask feedback, mm-hmm. right? You ask opinions of others. Exactly. And yeah. while traveling, because usually you meet a lot of people you've never met before. Um, so you don't have anything to lose, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so yeah, cool. it, it it's a lower hurdle, right? Yeah. But for me, that was one way that I also realized, like, there is no hurdle at home as well. I can ask my friends and family. I just need to push for them, you know? And, like, it becomes so big because we feel judgment from the people closest to us, you know? We feel a lot of judgment from them. But it's not necessarily always there. So there's get off that ID and just go do it with them as well. Yeah, and like you said earlier, there's maybe even more judgment or pressure inside your head than there mm-hmm. really is. I, I want to go over a few like excuses that 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 you might recognize and that other yeah. people are saying. Like, and you're actually facing it yourself, but you overcame it. Money. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to nature guide. Oh my god, I would love to be that, but yeah, I don't I don't see how I could that I could become that full time. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going after it. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the excuses that people are actually using. But what helps you to overcome that excuse? What would you say? What advice would you give to people who say money is an excuse to not go after their passion? Mm-hmm. So I would say that's one of the biggest ones. It's also one of the biggest usual worries that comes up on your own side. It's like, oh, this this big thing, the money thing. Find out really what you need in life. Like, what does money mean to you? Uh, like, and for me, I'll give an example because it's a broad question. Money is a way to do things in life for me, right? Very simply, simply answered. It gives me some opportunities. But for me, I realized that I can do without luxury very well. I can have specific things that I really want. And there's like this comfort zone. But by Actually, for the last few years, reorienting myself, I realized that I got accustomed to having comfort with a lot of material things that require a lot of money and upkeep. Do you really need that for yourself? That can lower that hurdle straight up. It can even kill it. It's like, well, do you really need to make as much as in this other job you were making? And if not, what would be your worry in that? You know, what can you not support right now? I think the excuse is too easy because we can't have enough of it, right? But what do you really need? If you envision yourself in 10 years in a small flat going on, going into your passion, doing it, let's say, 
enough in a way that you feel comfortable with, that you feel like this is my passion and I'm putting a lot of time in it, even if it's on the hobby side. But it takes away some of that opportunity with money to make more money and to maybe have some more luxury or opportunity. Is that really a compromise? We've made that be a compromise from the get-go. It's like, oh yeah, but with half the money, you can half the things. Maybe your expectations were off from the start. Maybe you were raised in a way that the only thing you always thought you needed was money because that's what you've seen around you and money creates those opportunities. And don't get me wrong, this is also something not to be completely unrealistic about. But saying just straight up, while well, money, I do not necessarily agree with that. And you can see very good example of that in travel. So let's say a lot of people have a hobby or a passion in travel, right? There is all forms and sorts of travel, right? You can go expensive, crazy luxury. You can go backpacking, basically couch surfing, not spend a dime. I would encourage people to, if you've only done one side or only done the other side, why don't you try and create some room to see both? And maybe you realize, I actually enjoy traveling like this way more. And it's tent-based, camping, doesn't cost me a lot. It's, you know, doesn't come with all the luxury and the comforts, but I enjoy because this is how I travel and how I find myself maybe in travel. Or no, I need to detach, step out, and that comes with a level of luxury. And what is that luxury? What is that comfort? I think one of the best ways to, and it's also been for me, to learn that about yourself travel straight up and then when people say well but travel costs money then you haven't looked then yeah. you really haven't looked because there is a lot of opportunities to mm -hmm. backpack on very small money for ages the question is are you willing to do it are you willing to just get out of your comfort zone step out and leave and you'll figure it out you, you honestly will like what people bring back from a long trip it's Life-changing often, you know, they realize some things for themselves. They came back and now maybe, you know, it's also a road to your passion. I mean, for me, that was definitely what travel was. It doesn't necessarily have to be. But stepping out of your comfort zone, right, that is a big way of doing that. For example, not realizing where you're going to go next. It's almost an exercise of like going outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And yeah, the same thing applies for your passion really interesting so what i learned here was like okay when when money w would be an obstacle or an excuse or a hurdle to follow my passion the answer is like well look at what you need look at what you truly need mm -hmm. do you have to save like thousand euros per month or or maybe as 200 enough exactly when you can cover the basic costs yeah cool yeah. and then the last excuse that i want to dive into is time yeah and that often go, goes hand in hand with, with money. Like, okay, you need to create time, but yeah, I need to work to get money so I don't mm -hmm. have time. So like, how did you handle that? Yeah, so I think I have a pretty good example of how I still struggle with that one. I met this full-time nature guide who's about like six, seven years younger than me. Awesome, so I already want to pause here because this is really interesting. You, you have your goal. I want to become a full-time mm -hmm. nature guide. And you're already talking to people who have achieved your goal. So mm -hmm. love yeah. that, but yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. And this guy seemed to have it all lined up, you know, schedules full. He has found his passion in the niche. You know, he knows specifically what he likes to put more time in in the future. He has figured it out financially. Um, 
And uh, the straight up first thing that I do is when we're talking, I go, well, I'm seven years older. I still have to learn all these things and set them up for myself. And like, oh, he has done this from 18. How can I compete? How, you know, like, like I said, you create a mountain you cannot overcome. And it's natural. It's normal to do that. In somewhat ways, not even bad because it can help you also afterwards realize this was a true worry. This was just me adding to it, you know, or, and I think what I learned from talking to him is time. We have a very weird relationship with time when we talk about like pursuing a passion. Why is, for example, for example, let's say I want to be a full-time nature guide, right? Let's say that costs me five years at the start of doing this. I said, like, well, five years is a lot. And then in five years, I'll already be older. How long can I still maybe do it in the way that I see it now? When we look at time, the only thing we see, how much is it going to take me to get to the end result? Usually we're way off. That's also an interesting thing. But, like, why have you put pressure on time there when you cannot even measure what it's going to take? It is something you cannot measure. And we just installed this as the biggest hurdle. I don't think that's the way to go for it. I think it might sound a little bit like simple, but like take a step out of it, go one step into your passion, go to that first little hurdle, right? How much time does that take you? Well, why don't you try and see? Why don't you do something and then all of a sudden go, well, two weeks in and I know this and that and that. Don't underestimate the power you have. Like you can learn so much with a little bit of focus. I never imagined that I would learn of all the animals in Kruger Park, be able to talk about them, recognize 70 birds by by vision and, and sound, be able to fix the car, be able to drive a heavy fucking four by four, yeah. stuff like that. All of that, set up camps, provide safety to people, you know, do snake handling sessions, like all that stuff, it took two months. It took two months. If you've told me before, how long will that take you to learn that? I would have said four years or wow. six, you know? That's a huge difference. Yeah, and we make, wow. we don't, we see that, that doesn't make you an expert. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you can still see somebody has more experience in this in time, you know, has more, spent more time doing this. And that's also good to realize. But why don't you then surround yourself with those people? You know, that can be your network. Those so, can be your people that bring in those expertises. And even though you're still at the front of it, now you've surrounded yourself with some of the experts. And you are learning way faster through them. So you don't need maybe the five years that it took them to do the whole bachelor program. Maybe for what you're going to do, you need to talk to them seven times about one niche that you're interested in. And then you got it right there. That could because be a week. You can skip their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So it's instead of like, okay, this is my goal. Be become a full-time uh, nature guide or whatever your goal is for the people that are listening. I think it's going to be five years. Well, like you said, you cannot calculate this mm -hmm. because you have zero experience in it. Mm -hmm. The only way you can calculate it is by just starting to do it and while doing it you will have a better guess at it yeah. maybe after your first month you were like oh right another month of this and i got this exactly. instead of like the four years and maybe like with each day that while you're doing it 
you can see like your 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 uh, timeline becoming shorter and shorter because you're like oh this is easier than i thought mm -hmm. and actually if it's something that you're very interested in and truly passionate about yeah i believe it's not going to take that long because you you're you have more interest in the topic than anyone else yes so you will learn it faster than anyone else yeah. cool well, also something small i just thought of that might be interesting to add is like why look at why look at competition like this is again something i will only be as good as them in x amount of time do you really need to be the expert in i've met some wild experts people levels that i cannot achieve right yet exactly right so that's again me doing that same thing you know making it impossible to reach but like at the same time like do i really want to be this expert you can be so mesmerized by talking to somebody who's been in elephant work right or in rewilding work and they bring all this expertise and then you go well i want that right i want that but do you really want to be them or do you want some aspect of what they brought to you and that's exactly. something we often do we see i want to be that and until i'm that i can be happy and so the second thing i was going to say is like on the ride and my friends are going to laugh when i say this but on the ride have fun right it's a journey and there's a lot of quotes that i don't even like to say around journey and destination but it's it's a <laughs> yeah, it's a ride yeah. and if you're in yeah. that ride and you're not having fun maybe that also tells you something of why you're doing this maybe you've just seen an end goal that you love and that's what you want to achieve until you're there you're not going to be complete or happy or fulfilled with what your end goal is if you're having fun during the ride and you try actually actively to have fun push yourself in the morning to wake up like today i got to do that it's my least favorite thing about the job let me try and make it fun right even for yourself if it's with a colleague try and make it with a colleague all of a sudden in the ride you're having fun and maybe halfway through the ride you realize we're having the most fun like this why don't we stop here or why do we keep it around this you know and then all of a sudden your whole perspective changed you've and had fun doing it and you've reached a maybe more achievable goal way sooner and then it doesn't even matter anymore if you if like even if you achieved the the initial goal that you had because yeah. you had fun along the way yeah definitely yeah and this relates to like the the, the cringy quote of like it's not about <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. travel is yeah. not about this but it's about it's the journey, the journey. Yeah. but exactly but it has some truth in it eh? like mm -hmm. you said wow you already provided with a lot of valuable golden nuggets uh, of, of wisdom here so so thank you for that for having me before we wrap up the podcast episode is there anything that you would love to give to the people listening like one final word of like advice or a lesson that you learned or that you want to really know people or to live by or whatever something one last thing advice or whatever that you would like to share yeah i would say this is a dangerous one because it's also a trait that i am continuously trying to navigate for myself in a good way but i think i have a natural sense of like well if i don't know then we'll go and see right a lot of the opportunities in my life have been created by not knowing where I'm going. And that brings risk. That definitely brings risk. But open yourself maybe to that mindset. If you're somebody who is way more, I need everything 
from start to finish, detailed and organized. And the moment I step away from the plan, it doesn't work anymore, right? Then you've made one roadmap to your end goal. The moment you sidetrack, you're not gonna make it anymore. Why don't you see it as I've done something, then this thing failed, and that thing I don't even wanna do anymore right now. Like, if you look at it from that perspective with the, maybe it relates to like daring to fail, right? Like, if you bring it back to like, why don't I just not give myself the pressure to this is what needs to happen right now. Let it just flow, let it fly. I don't know the answer to this, I'm still gonna try it, and then we'll see once we get there. That is the fastest way to learn more about yourself and about your end goal and about your passion, I would say. And so, I don't know, in, in one sentence, I, I don't really know how to say it, but... Oh, it doesn't need to be in one sentence. You know, that, maybe, but, yeah. maybe, I don't know if I can say this word, but don't, don't always give enough, you know? Like, um, just step outside, think like, why don't I do this? You've just got some life throw you a bone. And you've been worried about, yeah, but then I missed my booking there, or then I missed this. Like, could this be interesting to you? Could this be that story you tell one day to your grandchildren? Do you want that? Go get it. It's right there. Go get it. Right? Yeah. And focus on like the bone that you were given instead of like worrying about the other bones that you would miss out. Yeah. And just like the spider who is building his web, mm -hmm. do it and don't worry too much about the outcome because there exactly. can be a soccer ball flying into your web or mm -hmm. uh, it can be <laughs> not very uh, sturdy as you would expect but just just do it just yeah. be the spider thank you so much Jules, for your I time i learned so much from this honestly thank awesome you. well so did i <laughs> so thanks again and i'm looking forward to the next podcast episode mm -hmm. you too Three, two, one.